Are you creative? That's a rhetorical question, because of course you are. A creative is anyone who makes something from nothing. Creativity is everywhere and in everyone. And that means you. So what's been stopping your inner creative from bursting out? Probably fear. Fear is part of creating something. It's a real bee. But don't worry, we'll help you get through that. This podcast will be your guide to claim your creativity, redefine your relationship with fear, and build a new life centered around creative expression. You're going to learn tools from people who have found ways to manage life's ups and downs by turning their experience into purpose. Think of this podcast as your very own creative community. This is Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. Hi, creative. Before we get to the guests, I want to make a few quick announcements. So if you listen to my episode with 11-time New York Times bestselling author Don Yeager, I want you to remember that you have an opportunity to win a free Journey to Greatness class with him. I'm taking it, and I would love for you to join me. All you need to do is go to unleash.donyeager.com and enter to win. And remember, Yeager is spelled Y-A-E-G-E-R. You have until this Friday, so check it out. You got literally nothing to lose and everything to gain. Also, if you love the show and it means a lot to you, don't forget to rate it and give it a review in Apple Podcasts. It helps bring visibility to the show. It helps it get on the charts, helps more people find it, and I can't even tell you how much it means to me. And of course, let me know how I can support you in return. So I wasn't going to do a creative check-in this week because honestly... I've been so overwhelmed with putting the music video together that I just didn't feel like I had anything to say besides I'm busy. (laughs) And that's not interesting uh, or helpful. But what I will say is, as I do get more busy, I'm finding something really interesting. And that is, I have a super low tolerance for doing things that I don't want to do or that I think I should do, or that other people think I should do rather. And I don't know how this one's going to play out. I don't have like a super profound, here's a call to action for you, or some thesis statement of what this all means on a grander scale. But if I had to guess, it's a really good sign that because I'm doing more of what I want to do, I'm getting ready to do a lot less of what I don't want to do. And so that can only be a good thing. And, and so I'm, I'm interested in your own life as you start to do more of your own creative projects, as you start to approach life more creatively and make creativity the filter for your entire existence. Do you also have this feeling? It's a really interesting feeling. It's almost scary because I feel like throughout my life, I've really fallen right in line most of the time. And I've always been a quote unquote good girl. And I, I don't know, I've I think the inner rebel is finally starting to come out because I'm fucking 30 years old. I've had enough of this bullshit. (laughs) I just want to be myself all the time. And it's exciting and it's scary and it's weird. And I almost feel like my higher self is like controlling my body. But uh, I kind of like it. So to hell with what you should do and hell yes to what you want to do. All right. Now let's get to our guest. Jason Land is an entrepreneur, music instructor, professional guitar player, and wait for it, hand model. Yes, you heard that correctly. He's best known for founding his company Guitar Ninjas, playing in a sick Led Zeppelin cover band, and for hand modeling with the one and only William Shatner. And that is a true story. We don't actually get into that in the podcast today, though. So I guess he's going to have to come back another time and tell it. Ooh. You're going to have to wait in anticipation. Oh, one more thing about Jason. He's also my guitar teacher, mentor, and friend. Jason's creative journey started when he was just a kid. He used to dance around with a saxophone pretending he was a big rock star. He eventually picked up a guitar, went to music college, and after that packed his bags for L.A. with hopes of making it big, performing original music. However, years deep into that journey with his band... He found himself in a toxic environment and nearly falling out of love with music. Upon that realization, he gave up everything, lived in a motel for a few days, and on a friend's floor for the next several months. 
the main reason I, I left that situation is that I wasn't being true to what I was really feeling, which is that I just was not enjoying playing music anymore. It was just too much arguing and, and non-musical stuff that anytime we would go to be creative, it was a chore rather than a blessing. And I made a very definitive um, decision there about I don't want to treat music like that. This moment of complete reevaluation and reinvention eventually led to his greatest gig yet, founding his music school, Guitar Ninjas. The dream he found on the way to his dream was even more powerful than his original intention, and he's never looked back since. I wanted to have Jason on the show because he is truly the source of everything good that has come to me in my music career. He has empowered me both personally and professionally and is a shining example of the magic that can happen when discipline meets passion. I also truly believe that his guitar program is going to revolutionize the way music is taught in our country. It is so creative. Instead of teaching kids and adults boring scales, you learn specific skill sets through playing pop and rock songs, aka you learn without even realizing you're learning. It's powerful and highly effective. From our conversation, you'll learn how to exit a toxic work relationship, baby step your way to your dreams, take fear out of the driver's seat, play through your mistakes, access your power, and a really unique tool you can use to set your price as a creative. Okay, now here he is, Jason Land. So, okay, Jason, you're one of my favorite people in the world. Same, same. I'm so glad that this is finally happening know, in the real here. form. Let's just give you a little backstory. Jason has done this interview. This is the third time <laughs> he's done it. He did one when I my show was called Getting There, which was great. He did it when my show was called How to Be an Artist. These are all shows that never happened, by the way, but they're very real in my mind. Right. Not and, the guest fault, by the way. Yes. Not the guest fault. Absolutely not. He was amazing. <laughs> I was the one that was lacking. <laughs> And now you're finally doing Unleash Your Inner Creative. So yes. welcome. Um, You've arrived. Yes. Finally. It's come full circle. <laughs> and, you know, something I ask my guests a lot when we start out is if there was an inciting incident of your creativity, like if you trace the lines of your life, do you remember the first time looking back that you realized you were creative? Mm. So short answer, yes. I was, I was always interested in art. I didn't say I was good at art. I was just interested in like art. Painting? Like painting? Like drawing, yeah. Ooh. Drawing and painting and whatnot. Um, probably uh, early middle school, so sixth or seventh grade. I got really interested into uh, advanced art or what they called advanced art there. Uh, and that, that was probably the first time that I really recognized the power of creativity and that it was something that I was fearless about. So that was pretty awesome, like like right away. But I also knew that from an even younger age that I was interested in entertainment. That was just naturally something I, I really liked and, and did. What was that moment? I think there was something with a saxophone. saxophone. That was yeah, it. I almost said right. trombone. <laughs> <laughs> Same difference. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah, I had uh, I had gotten this uh, saxophone for the I think the fourth grade band class or whatever and I just remember carrying it around and like pretending my front porch was a stage and I wanted everybody to watch me and I couldn't play anything on it but just the power of holding that musical instrument and being in front of the trees at that point just was so liberating and it just felt so natural to me so I I knew just instinctively then that I wanted to be on stage and I used to I used to put on comedy shows for my family (laughs) In our in our backyard, because I just loved the attention, you know, I, I loved like like just putting on shows. That mixed with the discovery of the creativity, like when I got, you know, in, like I said, middle school, really set the uh, set the stage for what was going to come later. You used several words in there that I really liked. One was powerful. One was fearless. And a lot of people are in their lives and they want to go toward actually I just had dinner with a friend last night he's a doctor and he's dying to sing like he's dying to sing or mm-hmm. do recording and but he just he's holding himself back from it so a lot of people are so scared to go toward whatever their creative desire is and they keep themselves small or keep themselves big but in a different area that they don't want to be in what would be your advice to those people on how they can access that power and that strength to go toward what they want full force? Sure. Great question. So start with one small thing, something that's not intimidating. 
So we we come across a lot of people at my school that have always wanted to play a musical instrument, or maybe they you know they wanted to perform at some point, but they you know didn't know where to start, or like you said, they were just holding themselves back. So we treat it their creativity desires the same as um, their musical instrument desires, which is with one small manageable thing. So we get our people to start with just literally one note on the on the guitar. But if someone doesn't play a musical instrument or is trying to, you know, go above and beyond their comfortability level, then pick something that's that's manageable, that kind of gets you into the game of so whatever you're trying to do, that maybe you don't need an audience for quite yet. Maybe if, like, for example, you wanted to do stand-up comedy, you could do it in front of the mirror and you could just say one sentence in front of the mirror, you know, because really that's the hardest thing is, you know, looking at yourself and, and being okay with what you see. So it's just something that's very easy that you don't have to overthink, that you don't need a whole bunch of people to do, and that there's minimal pressure that you can build your castle one brick at a time for sure. Mm, I want to build my castle. <laughs> So one other thing I love about you is that you've just got such a multi-layered story, but you did always follow that thread of creativity. And the first way you followed it is you went to music school and then you moved out to LA mm -hmm. and you went into a band mm -hmm. and you put everything into that band. You, oh, yeah. I mean, invested all your money. You were living in a house with the people you were playing music with. You would put it all on the line and then you decided to give it up. Mm -hmm. And I'm really interested to talk with you about that. But first I want to talk about like there's some people that can't even get themselves like away from their hometown to go toward whatever it is they want to do. And a lot of times that does require a move. It doesn't always, but a lot of times it does. So what's your advice on people who are like having trouble like making the actual leap when they know they want it and they're going to do it, but they're, there's something stopping them? Sure. So the first thing that they need to do is get uncomfortable put themselves in an uncomfortable situation. Like any uncomfortable any, situation? Anything, right? To, to recognize that it is an illusion. You know, like the, the, the fear that, you, that you're feeling about, the uncomfortability, right, that you're feeling about something is, is one and overcome one opportunity at a time or one situation at a time. So I would say start, just like I said about expanding your creativity, you're trying something new. Do something manageable, but something that's uncomfortable, that's outside of your comfort zone, so that you can build those little wins into a path that that will get you out of your bubble. You know, I am personally going through this with somebody that I know that uh, is having a hard time leaving their their comfort situation, and I had given the same advice that I'm talking about here which is let's let's get you uncomfortable because once you're comfortable being uncomfortable good things will happen so you got to just find something manageable you mm -hmm. know you don't have to go crazy just find some one thing manageable that that is going to get the ball rolling you know kind of get you feeling good and feeling like okay I can do this and then before you know it you, you make those bigger leaps but bottom line you got to make those leaps you got to get out yeah, I love the way you put it. It's almost like it's working out, right? You know, yeah, exactly. like the first time you work out, it's going to hurt really badly. Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden you're strong and kicking ass, mm -hmm. you know, and then that's like figuratively the time when you're ready to make the big move. Yeah, definitely. Don't feel like you have to go all in like right from the beginning. Yeah. Start with a treadmill walk and a five pound weight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you did end up getting here though, and you were in that band uh -huh. and you decided to give it up. So I'm wondering if you can take me through that and like how how you made that decision and your advice for other people who find themselves in the midst of what should be their dream, but they find that it's very far from what their true self wants. Sure. Well, the, the true self is really the answer in that because the main reason I, I left that situation is that I wasn't being true to what I was really feeling, which is that I just was not enjoying playing music anymore. There's just too much arguing and, and non-musical stuff that anytime we would go to be creative, it was a chore rather than a blessing. And I made a very definitive um, decision there about I don't want to treat music like that. You know, Ooh. like, like I don't want to, I don't, it's because it's come so natural, the creativity to me. Um, and it was always such like a passion point and fuel and like an exit for any um, other situation that I was going through in my life that I never wanted to abuse that, that, and I wanted to honor the music first. And when I knew that my heart wasn't in it, 
because I was tired of dealing with all the drama that is associated with playing in a, in a band, that it was time for me to exit because the number one thing I'm not going to do or, or like ever is I'm not going to put on a fake show, you know, for an audience, especially nowadays. Cause like audience members have such a filter for what's real and what's not, you know, because of so much the content that we get that I wasn't about to go out on stage for something that I was not enjoying the, the process of anymore, you know, cause it would, it would show, you know, am I playing? Um, and then I wasn't, I, I respected the other band members too much to continue doing that. Uh, so at that point I was like, you know what, this, you got to cut your losses. I, I, but I, but I was okay with it because I knew that I gave 150% for a very long time. It, it wasn't the first major failure of my life. How did you know it was a failure? Because it, you know, it, we didn't achieve the goal that we had set out to to uh, get. But it, it wasn't the first time that I had had that kind of situation come up in my life. So I, I knew that I was going to be okay. But I also knew that if I stayed and kind of kept going with this, that really bad things could start happening. You know, as far as like my relationship with music and my guitar. And I cherish that way too much to, uh, to to risk it. So I decided to pull the plug on it. And the rest is history. I love what you said was that you weren't going to do that to music. You mm -hmm. weren't going to do that to your relationship with music. Because I think oftentimes we do stay in situations that tarnishes our love for the very thing that we put it all on the line for, right? Mm -hmm. Like in high school, I was in this choir that made me hate singing. Mm -hmm. And that was the thing I loved most in the whole world. And so if you're ever in a situation where you start to hate the thing you once loved, it, it's probably not the thing. It's the situation surrounding the thing. Oh, definitely, so removing yeah. yourself from that situation is going to bring you back to the bliss point where you love your creative passion again. And it did that for me. It did that tenfold. So what did those first few days after that look like? And what did it feel like once you made that shift? Yeah, I'll tell you what I'll tell you what it felt like. What it looked like was a hot mess. Because <laughs> <laughs> immediately, I, mean, I was living in this house, so I had to, and I had no money. Yeah. You know, like literally nothing. Uh, so I, I found a hotel out in, in Van Nuys. You can imagine that. So if you're not in LA, Van Nuys is a little sketchy. Some places are nice. Like my first voice teacher lived in Van Nuys and it was a very beautiful house. He had a fig tree in the backyard, but then like one street over, it was the ghetto. Let's just say it's yeah. the one street. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, you know, the, my first couple nights I, I spent there, you know, in this, in this hotel uh, that uh, I put on a credit card and I'll tell you, it was it was the ugliest of times, but the most beautiful of times. And because didn't you say you'd like never been more happy was, than in that that's moment? That's why I'm saying it was. It's. It's. I mean, what it looked like was a hot mess, but what it felt like was uh, pure joy and bliss, because I I knew that no matter what was going to happen in the next minute or year or decade, that I had made the right choice and that I I stood up for what was right for not just me, but for the situation. Uh, and it was like a rebirth, you know, I, I was absolutely an amazing feeling. So the first couple of days were in this hotel and then, and then I went to um, a close friend of mine's house and I slept on his floor for four months and uh, it was great. <laughs> it was just great. Yeah. I remember you telling me your friend looked at you and he was like, I can't figure out why you're so happy, but I'm so glad you're so oh, happy. Oh yeah. There was a bunch of them over there. Yeah. There were a bunch of them at, at, at his apartment and, and they had said to me afterwards, like before you came over, we were all like, we didn't know how to act because they knew how much I've invested in this. And they, everybody was like confused because right. here I am like bouncing off the walls, you know, like let's go live life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they expected the opposite. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was great. Oftentimes after you go through something like that, you have to rebuild yourself yeah. and figure out who you are again. It's almost like you're getting birth to the world as a new baby again. You're like, hello, how do I manage all these things? Mm -hmm. So what were some of the first steps you took to figure out who you were going to be in this new era of Jason? Well, the first thing I did was become a hand model. And obviously yeah, well, it's the truth <laughs> i know it's, the truth. it's so weird we have to go into that <laughs> yeah, a little bit yeah. how why tell me okay so i'm living with my friend like sleeping on his floor yeah. and i decided to take um three months to to just be and to just hang out because for 
the past three years, four years, I really didn't have any social engagements. I was fully committed 24-7 to being an artist and, and you know, trying to make it in a, a, in a band that I would turn down opportunities to go and hang out with, with friends and go to parties and all this stuff and just – I would, was living this other lifestyle. Question. So, Can yeah. we just sidebar on that for one mm-hmm. second? Like I also find myself doing that type of thing a lot. Mm-hmm. How do you think that helped you and how do you think that hindered you? Uh, being that focused? focused. Yeah. So it helped me because I got a lot done. And it helped me because I got really good at my craft. And it made someone like me who who likes control of the situation, it made me feel like I was controlling my destiny as much as I possibly can right now. It hurt me because there was no balance and there was no escape. And like the thing I've struggled with a lot is when you're writing, because you were doing a lot of songwriting at that point, oh yeah, and you're day. not living out in the world, you're mm-hmm. just committed to your work. Mm-hmm. What are you actually writing about? Well, the mus- past experiences. Okay, so so musically, well, everybody's songwriting process is different. Mm-hmm. My songwriting process at that point was not story based lyrics. It was more avant garde style lyrics. Uh, that's the music I was listening to. That's just was my natural approach. I was much more interested in uh, the musical composition rather than the lyrical composition. That wasn't really my role in the project, but I would come up with like the hook lines and I was very keen to uh, words in the atmosphere. So I would always just have an ear open to what's going on around me and I'd pull out phrases here or there that I would hear strangers say that we would turn into songs. So it wasn't so much life situations. I let I let the lyricists of the band handle that. I would just conceptualize the ideas and then work on the music part of it. Got it. So you found a way to make it work for you. Oh, definitely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew my process. So as I'm saying, like that was one of the advantages of being so dialed in is um, you really learn, how, you know, what is your role? Mm-hmm. Um, and that that was great. But anyhow, I, the, the disadvantage is that I, I lost a lot of friendships with, with people and everything that, you know, you just, you, a friendship said like any relationship, I mean, you have to put time into it. And um, I, I didn't because I had sacrificed everything just to even have the opportunity to work in this, in this band. Everybody knew, everybody understood, you know what I mean? Like that I didn't drive 3,000 miles across the, the country to, you know, party every day. I wanted right. to get to work and, and, you know, make something of this. But I decided to be the opposite of that for three months and just, you know, enjoy having my friends and, and you know, being in my mid-20s in Los Angeles and just having fun. Uh, so, but anyhow, that's how we, we were goofing around and I ended up becoming a hand model, uh, which was great. You know, so, like, <laughs> so where did that opportunity even spring up out oh, of? We were, like... just, we were just goofing around, hanging out. And then uh, I was actually looking for music gigs on Craigslist. Uh, I was looking to get into another band or, or, or you know, just, at least just like jam with people. And then it said male hand model wanted on the Craigslist <laughs> ad. And my friend who was just had just watched this movie called Zoolander, where there was a scene with a male hand model in it. He goes, oh, dude, you got to you got to uh, submit for this. So we did. And long story short, and that's this will save the story for another podcast. But uh, I did end up, in fact, becoming a professional hand model for many years and made a lot of money doing it. It's wild. It was great. It's wild. Craigslist has a lot of opportunity. We'll just leave it at that. The CL is no joke. (laughs) So you did the hand modeling thing. And then what came next? Then it was really a a discovery period of who am I going to be now? You know, like the world is my oyster. Like, what do I want to do now? Do I want to be get into another project? Do I want to become a professional songwriter? And what I mean by that is write for other people. What do I want to do? And to pay the bills, beside being a ham model, I was a, I was a fitness trainer at the same time. Uh, you know, as I was just always in the gym, and I just liked doing that. Uh, so I ended up getting, uh, I ended up auditioning for several uh, touring projects, and um, and you mean touring tour- bands. band tourings? Yeah. yeah, to be like a sideman, to be uh, like a guitar player. For yeah, them. for for an established mm-hmm. artist. Um, so I tried that for a little while. And then I got into the professional songwriting world, and then you know I'd go from from Burbank, uh, Los Angeles to Nashville, and just write songs with people and pitch songs. And I did that for a couple of years, but I understood that I didn't want to do any of that. You know, I was playing in like fun bands at the time. I was playing in like like wedding bands and party bands, and and you know the gigs were like super fun. But there was a point, you know, where I was on stage and I was like 
just looking at the audience and I'm like, I can't play Jesse's girl anymore. I just can't do this. I can't imagine why. Because, well, because I, I, <laughs> One I had, of the greatest I had compositions that, of all time. I, I had that same feeling of like, I'm selling my soul right now, uh, you know? And So interesting. So that's a really good thing to point out. If you have that familiar, eerie feeling that you've had before, mm-hmm. trust it. Oh, yeah. yeah it's so it. funny because so many of us go through different scenarios that are actually the same. It's yeah. like a different scenario that's dressed up. It's, it's the same scenario dressed up as a different one. I see it all the time. Yeah, all the time. And for some reason, we have a really interesting way of ignoring it. And instead of that, I would like to encourage you listening to do exactly what Jason did. If you feel the feeling, get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no doubt. I, I, I definitely agree with you in that, in that um, life is cyclical. And the the tests that you face early on, on the, are the tests that you're going to face later on in your life. New level, new devil. Right, right, right. And the 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 way to track your maturity progress is how you handle those situations, and not tell yourself that the situation that's really happening is a different situation. You know, but like handle mm-hmm. it. So don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So you just get right to the point. I I try and use all these flashy imagery-based I love imagery too, but sometimes you got to say it flatly so people get it. So, okay, you're like, I'm not going to play Jesse's girl anymore. And then when did you get into the personal training stuff? That was was a way to make money after I had gotten out of that band project. So um, I had done that for a couple of years and boy, did I, I loved that. It was the complete opposite of everything else I had been doing for the past 10 years, I was really getting to help people, you know, and, uh, and see the literal effects of your help. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And it really made me understand that I like coaching and that that is a skill that just like, uh, being an entertainer, like that is just a skill that I've been blessed with. And, um, it, it really made me start to think about, uh, teaching guitar as something I'd never really considered. So I got into the personal training thing and it really helped me understand how to create processes and how to create processes and how to, how to, uh, build, you know, routines and, and everything like this, like for people and then work on motivational skills for people and all that kind of thing. So it was a real blessing to do that. I I, I did really enjoy it. So something I like to point out there is that you, you know, cause Jason obviously eventually became this amazing guitar teacher and now has this wonderful business. But what he did was he took out of his day job, basically like what the thesis statement was, and he likes to coach. Okay, I like to coach. And then he eventually went ahead and put that on this much grander scale thing that he's doing now through Guitar Ninjas. Mm -hmm. But I always like to tell people that your day job is not just something that's happening to you. It's happening for you. Sure. And if you can take whatever it is you like out of that and then put it toward your creativity, you might find a new opportunity for yourself that you never otherwise would have seen. I would say you'll always find an opportunity. Yeah. And if you're looking. When, when Yeah. Well, that's, that's really the thing. That's what I was going to say is um, I hear people talk about how much they hate their job. Well, then I say, well, either find something you love about it or get out of there. You know, it's like, why are you going to put yourself in a situation that you hate? But there's there's stuff to be learned and there's there's skills to be uh, developed in any situation, and you just have to extract what you want out of those situations. So it's I've always been able to do that. It's kind of like find the the silver lining in things. That's really kept me out of many situations where it could have been like boring or you know lame. For people who have a harder time with that, do you have any particular way you go about extracting those silver linings? Well, with people that that I, I like personal friends of mine that that I uh, that we talk about these kind of things, I'm very direct about it and so just just saying like, well, what is one thing that you enjoy about this? Or go a layer deeper and go, what's one skill that you've learned here that you're going to apply either to your bigger goal or that you didn't have before you got to this situation? Or even further, what's one aspect of this job that you're really great at? But all of that requires reflection. So if you're miserable in a situation, don't just say you're miserable in a situation. Reflect on why. You know, and, and instead of like deflecting, reflect and go, okay, well, like what what is really making me unhappy here? And what can I do to to mentally think about it differently? Or what have I learned that maybe I can look at this in a more positive way? 
So how did you go from all those different odd jobs, trying to figure out if you still wanted to be an artist, to really zoning in on being an amazing teacher and building out this business? Sure. So a couple of paths got me to where we are. I had been given an opportunity to to coach guitar uh, by a friend of mine who basically gave me a full access to do whatever I wanted in these lessons. Uh, no training or anything like that. No path to follow. Just figure it out, which was one of the best things that has ever happened to me. Uh, I'm totally indebted to to this guy for that. I was doing all these these things, and I and I knew that I didn't want to be a professional songwriter at this point. Like meaning, like pitch songs for other people. I just that wasn't my bag. I tried it for a while. It wasn't my bag. I didn't want to tour for an artist because it was just too unstable. You know, your your career is at the whim of whether an artist wants to tour or not. And I, I just didn't want to do that. But I knew that the teaching was something that I, I was getting results from, meaning I was really feeling something like during these lessons. And I could see that the students were getting more out of it than just guitar because we would talk about philosophy. And I love philosophy. Oh, yeah. Like the first 15 minutes of any session with Jason that I have, it's always like we go into therapy, basically. <laughs> He's like, well, the Stoics say, and I'm like, Jason, I don't know what's happening in my life. <laughs> Just ask Marcus Aurelius, he'll yeah. tell you. Um, Good friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, so any, anyhow, I, I knew that all that. This this was like a calling, you know. It just it felt so natural, and and I built up this I built up the student base, and I'd never left a, a teaching day feeling anything other than totally fulfilled. It, w- it was like I wasn't even working, you know. I was just like hanging out with people, playing guitar, talking about life. You were in flow. I was totally in the flow state. Totally. What does that feel like? Amazing. I mean, like, how can someone know if they're in flow? Time stands still. You know, like time, like you, you come out of it and you're like, whoa, an hour just went by, you know, or you're, you're just, to me, it feels like, like floating, you know, you're just, you're in it and everything's happening around you and you're just like, everything's just natural. It's just, you're just at one with the world, you're just gliding through the situation. Um, and it's just, you're light, you know, mm-hmm. you're flowing. And it's, it's, um, it's, it's the dream, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like hitting the right groove with a band, you know, that's perfect. Yeah. And you're such an amazing teacher because you really, you've, you, I think you're the best guitar teacher in the whole world, best music teacher in the world. And the way you've innovated teaching is just, it would save so many kids from having to play those stupid songs that no one wants to play and then giving up on what is a really healing thing that is music. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious, first of all, tell my listener what your method is and how you came up with it. Okay. When I do things, I like to go all in on these things, as we've discussed earlier. I I knew that if I was going to make the commitment to being a guitar instructor or just an educator, that I wanted to do it 150%, all chips on the table and let's do this. So I took some time to reflect and make sure that's what it is that that I wanted to do going through the positives and negatives of the situation. Once I made that commitment, then I really started honing in on the methodology of like, what do I want to say here? What do I want to affect? And uh, it was this combination of trying to be as efficient as possible with the lessons and also treating it as an art form. So I knew I wanted to do something creative, right? And I knew I wanted to do something that would impact people's lives in a very positive way and I wanted to create something that would be long lasting and that um, that I could continue building and and doing for a very long time so because we uh, I had acquired a, a pretty decent amount of students it forced me to start thinking in a more structured way about the lessons and the methodology and I had been testing concepts and systems for uh, about six months of like organizing songs that I would show and organizing uh, learning principles and why you would need to use it at this point in your journey and then kind of watching how people would react and then over you know a 30 student span I would start to see themes of okay if this if 30 people are learning the same song and 28 of them are having the same exact problem without knowing each other uh, then we've got a little something here. So here's the coaching point that is required for this. So I would go through that step-by-step of every song that I would show, 
for over two years. I, I would do this and test this and just extract the learning challenge points and then create solutions for those learning challenges and then organize it in a way that anyone from five years old to 80 years old could could follow. Uh, and then we just kept refining it, you know, as more students came in. And the the more successful our students became, the more successful the business became. Uh, and, you know, and now we've got this this monster. So let's explain what it is, though. So okay, it's 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 a um, it's a guitar methodology. It's a beginner guitar methodology. So basically, what happens is you come in and we we do something I call the AAP principle: assess, address, and progress. We're assessing your mindset. Uh, at the beginning of every lesson, but uh, very specifically at the beginning of your guitar journey. What are your goals? Um, what style of learner are you? Are you a kinesthetic learner? Are you a visual learner? Are you an audio-based learner? What am I? You're everything. <laughs> you're you're, you're, you're the, the mixed bag. <laughs> Whatever happens. No, no, no. You're, you're, you're definitely the, the kinesthetic learner. What does that mean? It means you just need to do it. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's true. You, you just need to do it. How does this chord go? It goes first finger. No, no, no. I'll get it. I'll get it. <laughs> it's true. But no, no, no. It's so. It's important to establish a person's goal at the beginning um, right. because even though we're showing you a structured path and we're, or we're teaching you songs and, and um, things that maybe you didn't intend to learn, if we can always relate it back to your goal, then you're going to understand why we're doing it. And we... yes. The why. It's so important. Mm -hmm. Why do so many teachers leave out the why? Because they're telling, not listening. So you, you have to you have to guide the student, not tell the student. And that's really what the what the philosophy is of the school is we are trying to not create guitar players, but to create good students. And a good student figures out how to do things on their own. Right. And so we, we give people the opportunity to find Run for president. <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> I mean honestly don't because I would be afraid for you. But like why can't the all schools be like that? Schools don't need to teach kids information. They need to teach them how to learn. Right. Exactly. Empower them. Exactly. So so it's we, we each lesson is assess, address, and pro progress. So we're kind of assessing the student's mindset and helping them get into what we call a growth mindset, where they're open to figuring out solutions on their own. And then the instructors are trained on how to show the material and look for problems, address the problems in a way where we're not telling the students the answer, we're asking the students what the answer is, and have them you know tell us, and then we kind of help them get to where they need to be. So that's why I say we're like the flashlight in the dark. And all too often the people will say, you know, oh my gosh, you know, you Thanks so much for helping me, and you know you, you are amazing. And I, all I say is, uh, I just turn the flashlight on. I mean, like you're the one that walked the path, you know. So we just try and do that. We just try and help the student figure out how to overcome their learning challenges. And you know, circling back to your audience, the people that might be struggling with breaking out of their creative molds or the boundaries that they've they've taken for themselves, we try and help people understand that the answers are within you, but the easiest thing for people to do is to say, I can't, or this is too hard. So let's not do that. Let's figure out a way to get around that mindset so that we can be open-minded to trying, failing, trying again, and what I call playing through. My favorite lesson of yours. So you always say, play through your mistakes. Mm -hmm. Within guitar, that means if you make a mistake, don't pause and go, oh my gosh, look at what I did. Just keep going. Mm -hmm. Stay in the flow. Mm -hmm. What does that look like in life? Every day, you know, like taking one step forward no matter what and not reacting. Uh, so so the, the, the follow-up sentence to play through is that we adapt to situations, we don't react to situations. So what does that look like in life? It looks like if you get pulled over for, let's just say, a speeding ticket, the obvious thing is to react to the situation and get upset and maybe yell at the officer or, you know, just have the rest of your day be ruined because you got a ticket. But the the more effective thought process would be to adapt to the situation. Okay, I got a speeding ticket. Well, why did that happen? Well, obviously, I was going too fast, but why was I going too fast? 
Well, because I'm in a rush. Okay, well, why am I in a rush? Well, and just keep asking yourself the why and get underneath of the problem to find the root. You know, like weeds are pulled out by the root is what the lesson I was always taught when I was when I was younger. Or else they grow back. Or else they grow back. Right, exactly. So it is uh, to adapt to the situation. Don't react to the situation and adapt and figure out why you're even in the situation in the first place so that you really learn the lesson, right? Because that's all life is. It's just, it's just a series of lessons and in-betweens. So true. So I just want to clearly state, though, what your actual program does, because this is why I think it's so genius. You teach kids through pop songs, mm -hmm. and each pop song teaches them a specific skill set. Pop or rock, excuse me, song teaches them a specific skill set. And you start them out with radioactive, where they're literally just play not kids, kids and adults, but yeah. like they're playing just one string at a time to yeah. build their confidence and get excited about it. Exactly. So you build them all the way up to being a black pick. Mm -hmm. And you call it the ninja program because you're like basically like building your ninja belt, yeah, aka exactly. you're getting different picks as the levels go on. So you're giving them rewards. You're giving them amazing music to play. They're not getting stuck with some weird classical song that they don't have any connection to. Mm -hmm. And they're learning tangible skill sets from each individual song. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so brilliant. Yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, because well, people want to do things that are fun. You know, they don't want right. to play hot cross buns. Well, some people do, but, but you know. It was fun on the recorder, but I think I was done with it after that. Well, that was the first song you asked me to learn. <laughs> he teach you? It was hot, hot cross buns. You're kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> it's like, I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't remember ever being lame. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you know, you want people to have a good time and, and see that, that the work they're putting in is practical, you know, right. and, and to really understand that the, that the, the music you're learning is not just this one song, but it's, these chords are used in thousands of songs. So if you can apply it here, you can apply it in other situations. Now I have a couple questions. When I decided to kind of go away from acting and go more toward music and mm -hmm. media, I had to talk my child self off the ledge because she was like, what are you doing to us? We've always wanted to act. This is what we came out here do to do. Why? Why are you going in this direction? Like, I felt like I was failing her. Mm. And so I had to kind of make that reconnection in my brain. Well, okay, little Lauren, I didn't know we I was a songwriter until I was 22. So like that was new news. I didn't know I was a host. Like all these things came up and this is actually a better path for me. How did you reconcile with your younger self? to let him know that this was a better path for you? And what's your advice to others who are doing the same? Well, I trusted that the work I was doing was impacting people in a positive way. I also trusted that I was still getting to be creative and I was still getting to entertain. It was just on a one-on-one -on -one basis. So I reframed what I wanted into the situation that I was in to see that it's it's all one, you know, it's it's all here. And what's actually come of this uh, this whole journey is way bigger performance opportunities than I had ever gotten before, and I've gotten much closer to to the uh, the level of success that I had started out for at the beginning by just doing things that are that are helping people and doing things that I I just trust in my heart that I know I'm good at, you know, to things that are just natural to me. So I stopped fighting things that maybe. I wanted, but life was like, yo, I get you want that, but that's not the right thing. That's not what you do. And listen to what life said is what I do. And I just try and do that every day now because the, the reward of feeling in flow and the reward of knowing that you're, you're doing what your purpose is, you know, you're living that is phenomenal. And it's so interesting that by following the path of least resistance and by following the flow and what feels good, you ultimately ended up in the same place, if not better anyway. Oh, definitely better. Yeah. yeah. I think that that's how you talk your little self off the ledge yeah. is realizing that what's meant for you will never miss you. Right. Right. You got to trust the process. That's mm -hmm. what we say around here, you know, because like when when, when uh, students get pretty deep into the program, I mean, obviously it gets more challenging. They start questioning their, their are they going to be able to achieve another layer, layer, uh, level of guitar playing? We just keep saying you got to trust the process. Right. You know, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, like you'll get there. Do people have limits to learning? Do you believe? Only what they tell themselves. So if 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 someone says I know enough, then there's their limit. 
you know, so I, there's a great uh, statement that um, a motivational speaker named Napoleon Hill once made. I heard him say, I never want to be ripe because the next step from ripe is rotten. When a, when a piece of fruit is ripe, from there it's only downhill, right? So I always want to be green because if I'm green, I'm growing. I really try and adapt to that and bring that into my world as much as possible. I was just had a conversation with somebody just the other day about they said, "Well, you know, when when is Guitar Ninjas enough? Like, you know, like when when are you when are you going to stop like all this building and, and everything that you're doing with it?" So why? Never. Yeah, I was like, "Why? Well, well, why? <laughs> you know, like why would I do that? Because as, as soon as as soon as I I stop innovating and as soon as I stop, you know, pushing the limits of of what we're capable of here, somebody's going to take us out. You know, and it's not going to be fun for you. Yeah, it's not going to be fun you're for me or the students. You're a person who likes challenge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you're cultivating a community of people who like challenge. Right. But in order to do that, in order to live in that space, you have to have a pretty healthy relationship with fear, where oh, yeah. it's not in the driver's seat. Right. So how is your relationship with fear and how do you consistently work on that? We're good friends. We're like, we're really good friends. I have absolutely no problem with failing. I live with it because I know I can overcome it. I look at fear as just an opportunity to, to learn something, learn something about myself, learn something about a skill that I'm trying to acquire and learn that I am capable of doing what my mind allows me to do and not being blocked by it, you know? So uh, we're good friends is all I would say. If somebody is stifled by fear, if fear is in the driver's seat of their life and their dreams, how can they kick it out to at least put it shotgun or maybe in the backseat? Do the same thing that I had mentioned earlier in the conversation, which is find one, one thing that you can overcome. Because overcoming fear and, or say, let's say, embracing challenges I like to use the word challenges instead of fear, uh, but em- embracing challenges and being okay with them not going your way is a habit. It's a mindset and it is a, a characteristic. So you have to form that habit. Start by doing something that makes you feel like you've overcome the challenge and put yourself in a situation where you, you are going to fail and recognize what the feeling is the next day. Or just follow a sports team. That's really terrible. <laughs> Lions. Great example. <laughs> I love you, Detroit Lions. I will always root for you. Always root for the underdog. So something you and I have also talked about a lot is worth and self-worth and mm. asking for what you're worth and how mm. difficult that can be. Very. And I know you've actually, despite the fact that you're so confident, you've struggled with that quite a bit. I still do. Where are you at in your journey with that? Let's start there. And and why do you think you have the feelings you feel around money and asking for a certain level of money? Sure. So my business advisors hate me for this because I always give things away for free and, you know, I feel bad. And I think it came from being a starving artist for so long and having to just nickel and dime my way through things just to survive that I prog- that opens up your heart in a way that you can never shut. Yeah, you it, know, it really does. It really and, does. And, and I and I think about it. It's it's probably the number the number one thing I'm trying to overcome right now because I've been blessed enough to have this business be successful that I can uh, reward my hard work with opportunities that I, I I couldn't have afforded before, and I'm trying to to really appreciate that for what it is. So I'm trying to overcome that by well by doing what I was I've been saying, which is putting myself in situations that make me uncomfortable and feeling what it's like the next day. So for example, I've recently gotten into playing golf and it's not the most affordable sport, but I've been booking these golf trips with my brothers and friends of mine like going like I'm going to be going to San Diego in a couple of weeks and then out to Pennsylvania uh, in a couple of weeks to go on these these golf trips. You know they're they're not cheap, but the next day after booking the trips, I feel the excitement of like, oh, cool, I get to do this, right? And that's been such a an amazing reward to know that okay, all of that struggle that you went through, you know, your, your entire life up until recently, has prepared you to be conservative and be a good steward of the the blessings you're now getting. You know, so the hustle got me to where I am, but the hustle also has now 
made me recognize that I never want to go back there. You know, I, I don't want to be like hungry. You know what I mean? Like I'm always going to be aggressive in trying to push the envelope and, you know, and, and creating a even more enriched lifestyle for myself. But I never want to go back to, to thinking about um, just trying to survive, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's been great because in one way I get to I get to overcome not rewarding myself enough and feeling the, the, the reward and having very good justification for doing it. Uh, but at the same time, it's giving me it's given me the power to have this incredible work ethic that I'm proud of and and um, I'm very blessed to have. When it comes to specifically setting price, how do you think about that and how do you advise other new business owners or coaches or anyone who has to set a price on how to start that process? Because it can be daunting. It's a great question. I'm like, no nonsense. That's that's an awesome question that nobody asks on any of these podcasts that I hear. So great question, Lauren. Thank you. Um, my, everybody's philosophy is different. Uh, business owners' philosophies are, are different on this. So my approach has always been quantity rather than price. I would rather have a full school of students that are paying a little bit less per month than the other schools rather than having a half full school of students that are paying more than the other schools. Only because I don't want to see empty rooms. You know, empty rooms are empty opportunities. And I want to have you know, a bustling community of people here. To me, the joy of like seeing my instructors have a full roster of people and uh, the ability to build a community and bring people together and have all these cool opportunities is way more rewarding than an extra $15 charge per month. So I always set my rates lower than whatever the competition is. So I'm aware of what all the other schools in my area charge. And I always ask for at least... 15 to 25% lower than that only because I'm playing the long game on this. Well, and yeah, and you can't really put a price tag on loyalty. Someone might be with you three extra years because your price is a little bit more affordable for them. Mm -hmm. And you would make way more from those three extra years than you would have if you had just set the price 15% higher for one year. Totally. And and again, it comes back to like me 10 years ago, you know, it's like, I don't want I don't want to I don't want to feel like I'm taking advantage of people, you know, because when I was in that situation, man, if if I needed like some coaching on something, I would want to like not be turned away because I'm, you know, because I can't afford it. You yeah, know? there you know is I mean? room at the end. Yeah, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah, for sure. So we take we welcome all kinds here. Yeah, as long as you got a good attitude, you're welcome. The other brilliant thing that Jason did, and the reason I actually first came to him because I found you on Yelp back in 2013 or 14, mm-hmm. you gave me a free class, mm-hmm. and I thought to myself. Well, if this guy believes in what he's doing enough to give away a class for free, he must be amazing because he knows I'm going to come back. And I also feel supported because he's like giving me a service to see if I like it and to see if it's a match. Sure. And after that, I was a lifer. Well, well, that's, I mean, every lesson, every first lesson here is free. And, you know, a lot of people are against that because some people take advantage of that. But I always feel like, I have to prove something to you. You don't have to prove anything to me. You know, like if you want to, if you want to come here and, and take lessons, I'm thankful no matter what. So I have everything to prove for you, and I'm not going to charge somebody for me to prove myself. You know, as far as like what my craft is, but I let the I let the work speak for itself. You know, and at the end of that, if I haven't shown you that that my value is is worth your your time um, or your resources then that's a reflection on me and I got to do a better job. You know, so I think I think do having giving the free, the free lesson not only is good for the for the potential client but it's really good and probably better for the business because it, it is a true litmus test on your service, you know, no matter what industry that you're in. And it's an opportunity for you to always have a check on yourself. You know, of, okay, well, if that person didn't sign up, there's a reason, you know, maybe they couldn't afford it, but we, you know, we make it very clear in the beginning what the, what the rates are. The point is that if we're not converting the, the trial into a lesson, then it is a reflection on, on us. And there's something that we can do better 
I set it as a personal goal this year to convert every single trial lesson that came in this year. And I'm on point right now. Uh, and that, that's just, you know, it helps build my confidence and, and it helps me like fine tune my business ability and just everything that I'm trying to offer, you know, because when you people walk in, I don't want them to leave without signing up only because like, I want to help you. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you come in and like, I want to help you. And I know that there's no better place than, than ours only because of the, the amount of effort that goes into making sure that what you're getting is every single thing that we can offer. Something I notice a lot of creative people struggle with, including myself, is setting boundaries. And we were talking about that on the way in. I've certainly gotten a lot better about it. I've just told you about a huge boundary I've set in one of my personal relationships. But I'm wondering, how are you with setting boundaries? And what's your advice to somebody else who struggles with that? Let's start with, uh, I want to ask you a question then, which is, how do you define boundaries? Saying, this is who I am, and this is what I need. Outside of a business world, I'm I'm not very good at it right now, to be quite honest with you. I'm I'm trying, and which is why you know I've got to, I've gotten into golf to give myself a hobby. Um, but, By the way, that's a great thing. I should have commented on that, but the fact that you have a hobby is incredible. It gives me hope for myself. Yeah, I needed it. Yeah, I really needed it. It's so important. It is, and you know, like just to riff on that for a second, I have hit a different level in my mus- my own personal musicianship. I've noticed it, and I'm not trying to be egotistical. It's just I've been playing guitar for you know a quarter of a century now. <laughs> you know, like so, it's it, you just get good. And I teach guitar every day, and I play guitar probably six hours a day because of that. So you just naturally get better, right? And I found myself becoming a little bit more distant from remembering the beginner mindset. I really want to understand the struggle of the beginner because that's going to make me a better instructor. That's going to make me a better business person. Um, and that's going to make our program better. So I decided to go all in on something that, that would humble me. It just so happened that golf was something my brothers were doing and that I wanted to be a part of, but it's been phenomenal, you know, in, in so many ways, because number one, it has taken me back to the the beginner mindset. The art of being bad at something is what I call it. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And it's made me understand the struggle that my adult students go through, which is that you really want to improve and you have the desire to practice, but you have a life, you know, like you have responsibilities and, and stuff. And the things that you're good at at this point, you're so highly skilled at right. that it feels like a failure being a beginner. Exactly. But it's not. It, it you're is just not. a beginner. Right. So it's been it's been amazing for me to use as a an example piece when I'm teaching an adult student, because I I have something to to relate to now, and I always I say to them, look, this is like me at the at the twelfth tee box, you know what I mean? Like I'm going to overthink this, and I'm it's going I'm going to hit it sideways, but I have to play through because the next shot could be great, and sometimes it is. So um, yeah, like doing doing the golf was was good, but um, but setting boundaries, setting boundaries. Okay, so I am I'm not good at that only because I have a pretty good pulse and touch with when to go all in with something and when you can kind of back off a little bit. I feel like our business is at a spot right now where if I really grind for like the next two years and that, well, three, if you include this year, um, that we can put ourselves in a position that I can achieve something that could be really incredible. So I have done a horrible job with the boundaries because the business is consuming my life, you know, and it's been not to be quite honest with you. It's been um, pretty poor for my health uh, and pretty poor for my relationships, but I, I'm choosing to do that right now. I'm also trying to understand the balance point of it, but I, honestly, Lauren, like part of me doesn't want to part of me wants to like knows that, yo, like you are close. This you know? is the one. Like, like this, so there's something magical happening here, you know, like, and I don't want to live in regret ever. So I don't want to be 20 years from now going, dang, if I just would have like just pushed a little bit more during that time, we could have gotten to maybe this level or I could have gotten to this level. So I have all the intentions in the world to start to develop boundaries a little bit more. But at the same time, I'm I'm conflicted because the the drive that I have right now is is pretty powerful. What about personal boundaries, though? Like setting a boundary with someone else. So okay, okay. So yeah. that yeah, I've gotten very good at that. Only because I I have such limited time these days. You know, I I'm literally scheduled every half hour, like 
all week except for Sunday. Well, that's one thing I set boundaries with. On Sundays, I don't work. You know, I completely block it off. But and you won't break that rule for anything. I I, I won't. The only thing that that I'll do is like I, I rent the space here, so um I'll come in let let the renter in. Uh, Got it. But that to me is you know whatever. I'll, I'll go and play guitar or something. But as far as like setting boundaries with like meeting with people um, or uh, doing whatever needs to be done in relationships or whatnot, I'm I need set times and I only allocate. X amount of time to these things. And I've gotten really good at just shutting it down when that time is done. If I need to go to an appointment or something like that, everything is really structured because I know that what I want to do is I want, I want to build my business. And for me to build my business, I need the time to do that. And I have to create that time. So I set the boundaries on interactions with people and all these other things because I want to maximize my opportunity right now. So I've gotten very good with understanding what my number one goal is right now, understanding what my passion is, and really looking at every situation and going, what am I going to get out of this? You know, maybe like a lot of the unexpected you could get out of those things and that maybe that's what I'm missing in some of those. But it has to be a hell yes, I want to do that or I'm not doing it. If somebody listening is having a hard time with saying no, setting a boundary of saying no, right? How do you advise they start? Say the word, just like just lit- by yourself. literally say the word. My um, my wife struggles with this. Like you, like just say the word no out loud. You know, like look in the mirror and put confidence in it. You know, uh, redefine your relationship with no. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's like like how you say it is everything. Like. Put the passion behind it. Why, again, get back to the why. Why are you saying no? Because this isn't for me. You know, like I don't want to invest my time in this. I don't want to invest my energy in this. I don't want to invest my financial resources in this. So you got to get really good at being comfortable with the word. Just like I'm not super comfortable yet with like asking for more money or whatnot for situations. I'm becoming more comfortable in that just by saying the words and putting the the heart behind it, like an actor, right? Like an actor is is reading somebody's words until they interpret it for themselves and they put the thought and the energy and the story behind that. So put your story behind the word no and understand what what it is that you're denying, right? Or what it is that you're also gaining by saying no is you're gaining yourself. You know, you're gaining your opportunity to do whatever it is that you really want to do. It's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. No to someone else is yes to you. Exactly. Yeah. So my final questions, Jason, involve our little Jason, the inner child, (laughs) because I do believe creativity is intricately connected with the inner child and honoring what that young self wanted. Mm -hmm. And so if young Jason, whatever age you picture him as, was standing here in the same room as you and you two are looking at each other. And he's seeing the incredible business you've built, all the ways you've taken care of him. And you're seeing his little punk ass self on the saxophone. (laughs) What do you think he would say to you and why? He would say, are you sure this is worth it? And I would say, we'll see. (laughs) I don't know if that answers your question. No, no, it totally did. That's the question that's going on in my mind right now. We'll see. Okay. And then what would you say to him and why? Like, what advice would you give to him? Don't waste time. Like, don't waste time. Like, if, you, if you're if you passionate about something, go all in right now. And you get one opportunity to, to live. Go live every opportunity. Don't take advantage of situations. Just go all in on, on what you want to do. Um, and, you know, I've always kind of done that. But there was also a point in my life where I was kind of lazy. And, um, but, but go all in and work as hard as you possibly can work at that. I think your answer, your advice to little Jason answered little Jason's question to you. That's a confusing statement. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he asked you, is it worth it? And you said to him, don't waste time and go all in on what you want to do. Yeah. Isn't that what you're doing? That's exactly what I'm doing. Bam. So yeah, it is worth it. Yeah. (laughs) I'm all in, baby. All in, baby. Well, thank you, Jason. My pleasure. Can't wait to air this. You're the best. See ya. Bye. I'm leaving right now. Now. (laughs) Leaving right now. Now.
Thank you so much for listening and to my guest, Jason Land. For more info on Jason, follow him at guitar underscore ninjas on Instagram. Subscribe to his YouTube channel called The Players Club. You can access his online program at guitarninjasonline.com. And you can also listen to his podcast about how to become a working musician at musicianmindsetpodcast.com. Thanks to Liz Full for the show's original music. You can follow her at Liz Full. And again, thank you. If you enjoy the show, the best way to share it is by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on Apple Podcasts, following on Spotify, and if you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, this episode is awesome, take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram stories or your Twitter page or your Facebook, and tag at Lauren LaGrasso and at Unleash Your Inner Creative, and I will reshare it. My wish for you this week is that you can play through every single mistake and not only forgive yourself for it, but honor yourself for having the courage to keep going. And I also hope that you stop doing things that you should do and focus on what you want to do, you know, within reason. Keep it healthy. (laughs) All right. I love you. I think you're amazing. And I believe in you. Thanks for being there for me. And I'll talk with you next week. Thank you.